Oh, we 
I can say is surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And if nothing else really matters, we should all be stirred this morning. I'm telling you, it's, I don't think it's just right up here. I think it's wall to wall, from the floor to the wall, door to door, whatever. It's thick. I believe the cloud is setting this morning. Worship God for the next few minutes here while we sing this. Let's just worship the Lord. Forget about it and worship Him. When the glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When the glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When the glory fills the room, nothing else is needed, just you. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, Nothing else is needed, just you. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. Just you, just you. When the glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. Just you. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is 
I don't want to leave it. I don't want to go outside, Brother Larry. I want to stay right there. I want to be like a sponge and soak it all in. Sorry, I don't know, but I feel it. I love him with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. And this old world looks bleak, and everything that's happening. But if we love him, we have hope in him, and we have faith. It's all going to be all right. Let me see them. If you can, but don't sit down on God. I wanted to say earlier, 
those that come to Sunday school, next Sunday bring somebody with you. Bring them to church. We'll treat you so many ways you're bound to like one of them. But the most important part is we'll treat you the right way. I ask the ushers to come at this time. Brother Roy, will you pray over the offering? stirring in our soul this morning and the Lord will stir you if you let him and if you hadn't been stirred this morning then your spoons fell out of your bowl but there's still time there's still time this time we're going to let the children go to children's church pastor's coming with the word. Amen. Come on up, Debbie. Debbie's got something to say. Y'all can give her a hand if you want to. Actually, anytime y'all are clapping for me, I know you're actually clapping because she's here. song, How Great Is Our God, um, about um, baby Austin. And I went back and looked on my phone, and I think, was it July 19th, her surgery? Like, I was trying to think back of just a few weeks ago, she had surgery um, that they weren't expecting when she was born, and um, Denise just had tears rolling down her face, standing back there holding her, because that's how great our God is, that Austin's here with us today. And I'm just so thankful, just so thankful. 
And you know, there are lots of things going on that we don't understand and lots of heartbreak that we don't understand and may not understand for a long, long time. But he is still good. And I am so thankful, so thankful to be here today, to be able to walk into this building and express our love for him, the things he's done for us, the things he's done in the past, he's doing today, and he's going to do in the future. We've got to stay true to that cause, God. Guys, we've got to stay true to him. And we're here just to, to reach the people that don't know him for him. I'm just so privileged and thankful because I don't feel like the Lord, I'm not good enough to do that for him, but I'm thankful that he's called me to do that. And I'm determined, I'm determined to reach the world for him in this community. And I'm just so thankful for him today. So thankful for the moves of the spirit. I feel like I can speak for Barry that um, we appreciate y'all just joining in there with us, getting in there with us, getting into this river and just for all the things because I want you all to have all the things that he has for you. I want to have all the things that he has for me. And I want everybody that's not here in this building yet that, that we haven't seen walk in here to have everything that he wants for them. I love you guys today. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Amen. If y'all missed Wednesday night, I thought I was trying to relate consecration and uh, the discipline of consecration. I got talking about me and Debbie and how much I love to spend time with her. Y'all see why. I mean, I was very blessed uh, without question to be given the opportunity to be partnered in life with Debbie, and I love her and appreciate her. Um, I'm going to mention a couple things about tonight. First, hey, great to see you guys here. Everybody that's come and joined us online, we're excited you're on with us. Uh, to, to all of you who have walked in, possibly you're new here, it's your first time, welcome to Evangel. Welcome to a place we're trying to create an atmosphere where God can do what he wants to do, amen, and where he has his rule and his reign in our lives and in the gatherings that we pull together, uh, that we create and under his leadership form and shape and uh, we seize these opportunities, amen? We want to seize these opportunities to meet with him, to experience him, to have a personal encounter with him as well as a corporate encounter with him. So we're thankful for that. and uh, We invite you, if you're online, join us. Come be a part of what the Lord's doing, amen? I'm going to mention some stuff about tonight. We August uh, the 8th, we had our back-to-school bash. I've shared with you we're going to do that. I wanted to do a, a after action review, a gathering of dis, where we'll have some discussion and feedback about the event. We're going to do that tonight uh, in the evening service. We'll do worship and all. And I'm going to share some scripture, but we're going to have a discussion about back to school bash and about an upcoming event that is called Game Day on uh, on the 12th of September. We're going to we're going to launch. We're calling it the launch of a new season for Evangel, okay? And so we're launching a new season. A lot of it has to do with our, our Sunday school and our, our uh, a small group opportunity, our, our uh, Wednesday night experience. We presented all that to you on E-Date, August the 15th, where we had all of our uh, booths set and information out there, and we went and walked around and looked at it. We're already seeing results from that. We've had a few come from back to school bash, but we've had more results, I think, from our, our E-Day, which is where we presented our ministries to Evangel again, sort of like taste them again for the first time, like uh, cornflakes. Give y'all a second to set that. Some of y'all, surely you're not that old. Um, 
just kidding. Just, gosh, boy, y'all tough today. Um, so we presented them, and from that, we think we're seeing more results already in our structure on Sunday morning from 9.45 to 10.30. We're seeing more participation because of what you saw, what you experienced. And our motto I shared, and I, it was reminded to me by Austin at men's meeting this past Thursday night, uh, I, I sort of presented a motto to you on the uh, 1st of August and said, hey, this needs to become our motto. Every person here needs to have this attitude. I can do that. I can do that. And that mindset enables us to either fill in the spot we're supposed to be filling as a participant, or it creates opportunity for us to fill a spot in leadership and influence and teaching and, and facilitating ministry. So the whole goal is that we all find our place. I shared uh, briefly in a discussion uh, Thursday night with a man, look, we, we're all on the bus. It's now we all want to get in the right seat on the bus. We want to get in that place that God has for us because when we get on the right seat, there's going to be incredible stuff happen because we'll all be fulfilling that purpose and that, 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 that ministry focus that he has for us and calling that he has for us. So I say all that to say tonight we're going to do some discussion about those two things. I'm excited about it. We'll get some information about feedback as well as some cast some vision for the 12th. Next Sunday, Debbie and I will be out of town. I was going down to hang out with my son who lives in uh, Ormond, Florida, which is just north of Daytona, sort of joins Daytona. They're purchasing a house Friday. We're leaving Thursday evening to go down. I thought I was going to change out some plugs. I found out he didn't call me, by the way, if you watch this. Um, that's to Miles. He didn't call me. He called Debbie and said, hey, I've decided we're going to go ahead and move Friday. I decided I'm not going. I'm staying here. Then I told Debbie, I said, I guess as many times as we moved, I owe him one. <laughs> Wait a minute, I've moved him four times already. What are you talking about? Anyway, okay, that's, that's neither here nor there. But we're going to go down, and he closes on a house Friday, him and Madison, and we're going to help them move in, and we're going to, Lord knows what will happen over the next three days. I'll be so glad to get home. Um, but uh, uh, we are excited about that. And Keith Fricks, a very close friend of mine and a pastor who pastored in Rainbow City at Life Church for several years, we ended up going, uh, stepping down from that role, went to Virginia for a little while to help care for his father and felt a call back to Alabama to launch a church. So he is coming back as a church planter. They are planting a church in Fort Payne, Alabama, the church will be called Vibe Church. Keith will be here with us this coming Sunday, uh, the Sunday morning service. I'm very excited about it, and he's going to do an incredible job. Y'all going to love Keith and his wife, and they're going to be here to just uh, pour the spirit and the word out on y'all, and we're very excited about that. Uh, you may hear from us on that Sunday morning. Who knows? All right, so let's look at the message, okay? So let's look at the word today. Uh, today's my last message on the Ten Commandments. And your immediate thought is, wait, we've only covered four. Well, that, I, that's true. We've only covered four. There's several more, and it sounds like I'm, I'm about to leave some stuff out, but give me a second, give me a minute, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me give me a chance to explain that in the end, and then we'll uh, give you the better picture of what I mean by it's our last message. It's not the last thought. It won't be the last uh, reality of the Ten Commandments, but it will be a, an expression that I think we can embrace of what God was trying to do with the Ten Commandments, because that's what we've been talking about. Remember, the Ten Commandments, we said, were given 
not as a condition of God's love, but as a confirmation of his love, okay? It's not that I have to do these to get in good with God. It's that God gave them because I'm in. I'm in. Jesus opened the doorway for me to be in. And the confirmation of his love is to say, hey, do this, don't do that. That's why, look, if you didn't love your children, you wouldn't say, do this, don't do that. The way you confirm that love is you give them this guidance. You give them these parameters to operate by. In God's economy, relationships always precede rules. And so he gave. And that gift created the opportunity for us to understand him through the rules. And in one simple act of of uh, of faith, we prove that we trust God by placing our faith in His Son Jesus Christ and the work He did on the cross. So, um, it's not by it's not how can I say this? It's not by behaving we become His children. It's by believing we become His children. This whole thing's about faith, y'all. This whole thing's about faith. I have to believe that He is, and in that belief, I experience the reward that comes with it. I experienced the relationship that comes with it. So we saw in the first four commands, and I'm going to brief them right quick with you, and then we'll get into the final thoughts. And there's a little segment I'll probably get going here in, in a minute about us, about the nation, about uh, who we are and what's going on in our lives. But uh, we saw in the first four commands, God focused on our relationship with him. And so whenever we say he focused on our relationship with him, the first one, if you recall, was more important, we, we said it based off of Exodus 23, it's more important to God than, what's more important to God than, than, than obedience is recognition. And we would struggle with that immediately in the thought and hearing it, but I'm telling you, when he said you must not have any other God but me, God was saying, I want to be your one and only God. I don't want anything else. I, let's not, it's, I want you to recognize me. I want you to acknowledge me. I want you to see me for who I am and what I have planned for you. This is a starting place, too. This is a starting place for anybody who wants a relationship with God the Father. You have to start with recognition. You have to recognize who he is. I was floored yesterday, riding down the road, when Debbie read a piece to me that the newest head of the chaplaincy department for Harvard University is a humanist, a, an atheist. How can someone who has no faith lead a faith group? I, I don't understand. We've totally lost the understanding of what faith is and what our, our relationship with God is. Second, God doesn't want us to make him manageable for our convenience. We saw it in verse 4. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the sea. So in other words, we can't make Jesus, we can't make plastic Jesus. We can't just stick him on the board, on the dashboard, put him in our pocket when it's not convenient. We can't put the cross on when somebody's looking at we think like the cross and then take it off whenever we think they don't. The reality of what he's saying here is that this, what this sort of means to us is simply 
God's not manageable. You can't make him convenient for you. You can't make, he wants to be God. He will be God. He will be the one authority, the one guide, the one protector and director. He wants to be God. Third, God doesn't want us to misuse his name. Exodus 7, 20 verse 7 says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. That means don't associate God's name with something that God is not associated with. I said it this way, don't leverage the name of God in order to accomplish something God has nothing to do with. Don't leverage his name in a way that you can gain. We talked about how they were doing that in the temple and Jesus, savage Jesus showed up. Amen? We like sweet Jesus. But there's a savage side to him. Come on. Some of y'all need to get the savage sides back alive, the side back alive in your life. You need to see him for who he is because he's not mild and meek. God's not just waiting, sitting back. God's doing stuff and we need to be aware of it. I'll mention this. The fourth, and I, I, I preached it last week. I said you must uh, Y'all loved this, this, this uh, definition of the fourth commandment. You must, thou shalt, take a day off. Y'all thought I said thou shalt not. No, I said thou shalt. You must take a day off. That's what that command says. Watch this. Verse 8 through 11 in chapter 20. Remember to observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your house may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and your foreigners living among you. For in the six days, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and, is, and, and set it apart as holy. As important as progress is, as important as prosperity is, as important as eating and living indoors in air-conditioned space is. And somebody say amen. amen. It's nice, isn't it? So like, I, I'll tell you this right quick. So I'm still renovating. God help us. So I got Debbie's help yesterday. I had to move a plug out of a wall over to another wall. And I, I told her it was about lunchtime. I said, hey, I'm going to climb up in the attic. I'm going to go over. When that wire disappears in the roof, you just stay right here. And when it comes back in this wall and comes down, you won't see it until it hits that little hole I cut out for the box. But when you see it there, you holler at me. So I climbed up there, and bef almost before I got to the other end of the house, crawling in the attic, I thought to myself, my God, I made a bad choice here. <laughs> I had gone about 20 feet, and sweat was already dripping off my ears, my nose, my chin. My shirt was soaking wet. It had to be 170 degrees up there, and I'm talking sauna, and I hate saunas. <laughs> I hate them. And so I finally got there. Of course, I pulled it up. Yeah. I said, okay, let's go. And I drilled a hole and I spread it down. Did you see it yet? Look close. I'm screaming. I don't see it. Oh, my God. So I'm pulling wires. Trying to... Finally, it came in view and she grabbed and pulled it through. She did a great job on her end. And finally, when I got down, I walked in. I shined a light on me and I said, it's hot up there. And I mean, I'm talking about I was drenched. There's no description of how wet I was. Um, when we look, When we look 
even though, I mean, I came down into that air-conditioned room, and it was awesome. But when we look at this command, here's what he's saying. There's something more important than even the air condition and the space we're in right now. And that's a constant trust in God as our provider. That's a constant trust in God as the provider. The provider. We said last week, and I'll move into the message after this, God's principle of the Sabbath is simple. Here it is. You ready? Ready? God's principle of the Sabbath is simple. God wants us to build into our schedule a day to remember. That's what church is about. That's what Sunday is about. That's what the day that you set apart is about. I'm not saying Sunday is the only day. It could be any day, but you build a day where you take time to win. There's people literally that have to work on Sundays nowadays, and you say, well, that's, they shouldn't do that. I can't control that, but I can tell you they can control this. All of us can control this. We set this day apart. We build it into our schedule, a day to remember. To remember what? To remember, and, to remember him, to remember what he's done for us, and to keep from get, thinking and getting confused in our thought that I did this. I did this. I'm the reason I have what I have. You're not the reason you have what you have. He's the reason, and we acknowledge him as that. Doug said it when he walked up. He talked about the blessings of God. He talked about God's hand and provision on his life. This is what we remember. This is why we gather. All right, so here's my final thoughts. I'm going to give you the thoughts from on the last of the Ten Commandments. There's six of them here. They deal with, and what we've been focused on through this whole thing is God's unconditional love for us. That's where we get the understanding that these are not a condition of his love. These are the confirmation of his love. So what we see here is this. It's in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to start in 12 and work our way down through 20. I'm going to read them to you first. Honor your father and mother. Every father and mother say amen. (laughs) Then you will live a long, full life in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 13, you must not murder. 14, you must not commit adultery. 15, you must not steal. 16, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. 17, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. 18, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horns and when they saw the flashes of lightning, the smoke billowing from heaven, they stood at a distance trembling with fear and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. And 20 says, don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you, and so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. Amen. So let's see if I can communicate these last 10, these last commands, uh, the last commands of of, of the 10, in a way that we can understand it and in a way that we can sort of embrace it. So God, stay with me for a second here, and then I'm going to get to the verses. God, uh, after saying... In the basically in the first four, I want to be in the middle of everything. I want to be the center. I am. I am. After giving us those first four and, and focusing on himself in those first four, he says next, everybody, everybody you come into contact with is valuable to me, so treat them right. 
That's what the next six are about. Everybody you come in contact with is valuable to me, God. So you treat them right. That's what they're about. That's what, that's what these next six are centered on. As a matter of fact, if I put it in other words, it'd be God saying, I want you to honor me. And then it'd be him saying, and then I want, as you honor me, as you recognize me, as you don't misuse my name, as you do the things I've called you to do and remember me and what I've done for you, then I want you to honor all, honor everyone that's around you. So here's the fact. The Ten Commandments actually elevated everyone in society. No other law had, had, had done this. No other point in history to our knowledge had there been a moment that this kind of elevation of humanity had happened. No other religion or creed had ever heard of this kind of idea, that there's this law that we live by, this rule that we operate by. Everyone was now to be accountable to God and was now to honor everyone else. No other time had there been such a rule or a law put forth. God said, no matter who you are, what you have, what you look like, who you're related to, you are all to be respected the same as you are are, are uh, this, uh, equally because you're under the same rule, the same law. No one, so basically what he was saying, and so we'll get to this, we'll get to this, we're going to talk about it. No one was above the law. No one was above the law. There was no place on earth like this moment, no time like this when this word came. The, Matter of fact, it came because in ancient civilization, and our understanding is that no one was above the king, and the king was above everyone else, including the law. So the king was in control. And, and he was above the law. Why? Because he made the law. The king could make and change, and uh, he could change the law, he could ignore the law, he could. And he was literally the king was thought of and most of the time himself thought himself as God. And those close to the king could do most anything. Sounds like people in authority today, doesn't it? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like 21st century right here. I mean, I, I know. I, see, in that day, the more you had, the more leverage you had. Uh, the more, the further down the food chain you got, the less rights you had. And, and, and God, God set a procedure. God set a, 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 a better word, a precedence. God set a precedence the other nations couldn't, couldn't comprehend. They couldn't understand it. As a matter of fact, when you look at it, we know that they didn't understand it, and even the children of Israel didn't understand it because later on in the Scriptures, we read and see where they said, we want to be like the other nations. Give us a king to rule over. And God said to them, hold on just a minute. With a king comes abuse of power, abuse of position, abuse of purpose, all these things. And, I mean, he warned them, and they didn't listen. They, they wouldn't listen. So he did what they asked for. He gave them a king, and 
in giving him a king, they did, the king did exactly what God said they'd do. Why? Because he knows us. He knows the core of us. Under the, under, under the king, might defines what's right. So under the king, might defines what's right. And so what we begin to see here is this. So, so I, I give you this thought. The new idea of a nation ruled by law disappeared until 1776. When a group of men gathered together and decided, let's establish a nation that has no king, that's ruled by a set of laws, of rights. And this would be a nation of laws that everyone would submit to and live under and gain value through. And so all of a sudden, the United States of America is born. It's the first time people wholeheartedly committed to a government, to a system God introduced over 3,000 years ago. It was their commitment to this system that ultimately destroyed slavery. It was their commitment to this system where legally there are no people, there are no people, no people, who by the nature of the fact that they have power and authority are able to do what they want to do because of who they are or who they're related to. And truth, if it's operated correctly, no one stands outside of that. God knows this because if, I, if I'm the one making the law, I'll feel empowered to break the law. Come on, every parent in here ought to hang their head a little bit low right now. That's right, because we make laws at the house. We make rules. Yeah. I forget them at times. There's an unwritten law at our house. That when you finish showering and you turn the water off and you want to drain the shower and you turn the middle knob on to let it drain, that you're supposed to remember that you turn it on and turn it back off. I broke that law yesterday, actually Friday night. And Saturday morning as Debbie prepared to bathe Riley, and she got in there and leaned in and turned the water on. <laughs> I'm going to turn the mic off just a second. Okay, I'm back. I didn't even check up. I didn't even comment. I knew I'd broke the law. I mean, I'd broke the law. I was, I was convicted on the spot. We all got rules and laws. You know, I mean, we do it for our kids. We tell them, turn the lights off, and then we go out and leave lights on. I mean, this is my house. I'm paying the bills. You don't worry about it. You just do what I tell you to do. You know, we, we, I mean, come on. So here's, here's what we begin to understand. When we look, <laughs> I love this. I mean, you know, I, yes, I do. Um, in all of history, those who have made the law have felt free to break their own laws. Because they, they, 
why can we do that? I can tell you why we do. We see no divine law given by a divine law giver. It wasn't until the United States of America that there was a pure attempt, a pure attempt, I mean a total, loyal, committed thought process to apply these laws because there was a group that gathered that believed there was a divine law giver and that divine law giver had given this as a confirmation of his love for us and that if we would operate by it, the favor of God would fall on us. That's why the value of the Ten Commandments in, in our culture is not the commandments. You listen to me. The value of the Ten Commandments in our culture is not the commandments as much as it is there's a divine law giver we've all, we're all accountable to. We're all accountable to God. We tell that to some people and they're like, well, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe there's a God. So why would I operate by a law that I believe a God gave? Because I don't, I don't believe in God. And that's why our task and our mission as a church is to take the message of Christ out there because there's a people out there that need to know there is a divine lawgiver. One who loves them. It's why we defend countries where terror rules. That's why we're in the situation we're in right now. It's because we understand that there's a divine law giver and that when the people who God values and his city and son to die for are dying at the hands of terror, then we go in and we defend the life. Because every life matters. We see the abuse of people and we say, that's wrong. But they say, no, no, we decide what goes on in our country. And we say it's right to leverage our power for personal gain, for our gain. But we can't think that way. Why can't we think that way? We believe in a divine lawgiver, and he says all life is valuable. That's why we fight and we stand. That's why people die. That's why we sacrifice. Now, I say all that to get you to understand the willingness we have as a nation to stand up for the less fortunate comes from the belief that man's right to equality is, in, is a divine thing. It's divine. God gave us that. Every man, every living human being. So let's get to the final commands. Starting in verse 12, God says this. Honor, 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 honor. He uses this word honor. Honor your father and mother. Now, we can stop there, but I'm going to go a little further because it completes and says, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. If, if, you, if, you've, if you've ever wondered where the saying came from, I brought you in this world, I can take you out of it. Right there. Right there is where it came from. <laughs> this was a nation of people who had no land. This was, Israel had nothing. They had nothing. They had nothing they could call their own. And so he gets in this moment, and God's saying here, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you land. And the way you keep that land is to honor the values that your father and your mother pass on to. Honor the truths, honor the law, honor the rules that they pass to you about me. God says, basically, I brought you into this land, and if you don't honor those things your mom and dad teach you about me, I can take you from this land that I gave you. So he's making it clear. I gave it, I can take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Amen? So the first one here, is we begin to see this was about upholding the values passed down to us. When he says, honor your father and mother, it's not just about them. It's about what they represent. It's about the values and the truths that are about who he is. And if we're not passing that on, we don't have land. We don't have any legacy. We don't have any inheritance to give. You can have the whole world, we said Wednesday night, talking about Jesus. He, 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 could have had, he had the whole world offered to him. But what if we gain the whole world and in the end lose your soul? Listen, what we recognize here is this. Here's what he was saying. As the family goes, so goes the nation. As the, fam as the individual goes, so goes the family. He was basically giving us this fact. Matter of fact, a few centuries later, if we took time to look at it and re review it, they dishonored the Lord, and when they dishonored the truths and the values that were passed on to them, God allowed the Babylonians to come and to rip them out of the land. You say, That's a, that, I don't know if I like this God you're talking about. You can't change it. I mean, he's confirmed his love for us, and all we have to do is love him, love him. Love, accept his love. And then in the acceptance of it, recognize that he loves us enough that he gave us some rules to operate by. All he's saying right here is, hey, I want you to uphold the values that's been passed on to you. I want you to stand for what you believe. I want you to stand for this truth. I want you to have faith that if you'll do this, I'll do this. That I'm at work. I'm going to show myself strong to you. Then he gets all the commands that we're familiar with. He gets, he gets to all those. Verse 13, you must not murder. What does that one mean? Honor life. Honor life. 14, you must not commit adultery. What does that one mean? Honor marriage. We would love to make marriage all kinds of things, but I can tell you right now, what he's saying right here is honor the fact that the relationship that I have established and created is a, is a, is a God-ordained thing. Don't dishonor it. Honor marriage. You must not steal. What does that mean? Honor possessions. Honor what other people have. I wish I could have got my boys to do that. No, no, I'm just kidding. Did you? Did you do y'all have kids that borrow stuff from you? Less than that. Let's move on. Okay. Let me scratch that one off there. Uh, 16, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. What is that one about? Honor reputations. Uh, honor reputations. Everybody's on equal footing. Everybody's on common ground. And you must not dishonor them. We're all in this thing together. The whole law is about honor God and honor other people. No matter who they are. No matter what's going on. Honor. Then the last commandment. I'm going to give you the last one. I call it the unenforceable command. I like to think that this one's unenforceable. I, don't, I, I got no way to control this. I can, look, you know, don't commit adultery. We can enforce that, you know. We can see that. We, 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 we can address that. This one's unenforceable almost. I mean, I say almost. I guess when it surfaces, it can be addressed. But it's such an internal thing. Verse 17, you must not covet your neighbor's house. How do I know you do that? You must not cover your neighbor's wife. How do I know that happened? Male or female servant, ox or donkey. Thank God we're not in ox and donkey days, right? I mean, can you imagine what y'all have tied up outside? 
or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. This, 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 is the, this is the one that's invisible. This is the one that nobody sees. Nobody, nobody can put their finger on, really. They, they, this had to do with what's going on inside of us, inside of you, inside of me. You must not covet. I'm going to give you some, some, some definition. Covet means strongly desire or lust after. Covet means to strongly desire or lust after. It means you so want what someone else has that it hurts the relationship you have with them. Okay? You want it so bad that it hurts the relationship. It means you can't get along with your si- So I'm going to personalize this a little bit. No, I, it, anyway. You, you can't get along with your sister anymore because she has a bigger house and, than you, and you don't even want to be around her. That's not why I don't like my sister. No, no, I love my sister. That's good. It means when your sister's husband loses his job and she loses her big house, you feel better about yourself and you feel closer to your sister. Actually, I did write those off of some counseling I did with people. Oh, people can't be like that. Oh, yeah. Why, why, why does their loss make us feel better? Why does, why does someone's loss make us feel better? Well, the scripture says you must not covet his wife or his male or female slaves. That'd be like coveting someone's friends that helped him move on a short notice. <laughs> or his ox. That'd be like coveting their SUV or F-250 that they pull stuff with. Or his donkey, that'd be like coveting their Tesla, their Cadillac sitting in the parking lot. Or anything that belongs to your neighbor, that'd be like anything. Anything. Don't covet the earrings they have on. Don't cover the watch they're wearing. Don't, don't, don't cover the clothes they wear. Don't, don't covet. Don't, don't, don't lust after. Don't strongly desire. Look, here, here's what I want you to understand. Barry, come on up. The significance of this is, is, is best seen and understood when Jesus weighs in on it. Because Jesus weighs in on this. Okay, Jesus weighs in on this by saying, you're not just accountable to God for how we believe. We're not just accountable to God for how we believe. Je- behaves. Jesus, Jesus weighs in and says, hold on a second. We're accountable to God on how we think. So he takes it from a physical attraction to a thought process that we at practice. You're, you're not just accountable to God for what you do, you're accountable to God for what you're thinking about doing. God was saying, I'm not trying to just make you good, I'm trying to keep you free. See, because this isn't about being good. This is about living in the freedom that he's given us. You say, but it's rules. Well, rules free you. The law freed us. The law set us free. Because we understand the relationship that God's offered to us. God was saying, look, I'm going to help you because I'm going to give you these things that will guard your heart and your mind. Because if you'll practice these things, 
Your heart and your mind will be free to think about me and think about good and think about others. If we summed up the Ten Commandments with a phrase, it'd be honor God, honor the people around you, and guard your heart. Be that simple. Honor God, honor the people around you, and guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Why? Because out of it's what flows. It's the wellspring of life. It's right out of here. So I guess that's the question. Well, where's your heart at today? Have you been, have, have you seen God's word? How have you seen God's word when it comes to the Ten Commandments? Have you, have you followed them out of a conditional mindset, out of the idea that if I do this, I'll get in good with God? Because if that's the way you've been serving him, then there's a better way. That's not the relationship that he's called you to. He's called you to a relationship where he's the center. Everything rotates around him. And that law is just to confirm how much he loves you. And how free you can be today. Free from the power and the influence of sin. Free from the power and the influence of, 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 of the temptation to sin. Do you realize his commands were given as a confirmation? I guess that's the question. Because if you don't know him in that relationship, if you haven't accepted the fact that his word was given to confirm his love to us, then how you're serving him is out of a slave mentality. You know, the truth is, we all sort of start off there. We all sort of start off out of a conditional mindset. Most of us come to Christ because there's sin in our life and we can't do nothing about it and we need help. And so we cry out to him. He forgives us, cleanses us of our sin. We get up and all of a sudden we feel like we are indebted, bound to him. We're, 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 to do right means... I. I it, 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 I have to do everything he says. And it becomes almost like that servanthood mentality, which is great. But you know, the New Testament and Old Testament, especially Old Testament, gives us a picture of what they called a bond slave. And the bond slave was this. It was the person who, once they had come and been purchased and bought with a price, were, they, were given, they'd give their, they were given these papers that represented who they were and whose servant they were. But after so many years, they'd reach a point where that they would be free. They'd have lived out the bond, the, 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 bond the, 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 the commitment they had made. And it was in that moment, because of their relationship with the master, that they'd come and they'd say, hey, I don't want to be, I don't want to be on my own. I'm not after, the freedom I have found in relationship with you is greater than any freedom I can find out, find out there. So they would give the papers to them, surrender their whole life to them, and become what was known as a bond slave. They would literally become a lifetime servant. That's all, I think that's what this is about. I think that we start off, we start off by confessing Christ Savior and Lord and we're, we're in this debtedness and we serve out of a, a, a servitude a servant mindset a, a slave mindset but 
the more we get to know him, the more we understand how much he loves us. And then we get to this point where it is out of sheer love that we serve. Where are you? Is it out of a slave mindset or out of just sheer love mindset? Father, we just come to you. You're trying to confirm something to us that's that's outside of our ability to even understand many times. A love that we can't comprehend because we haven't been asked to lay down our life or the life of our child. We haven't, we haven't, we, we can't understand it. We think we're ready at times to give to that magnitude, but when that moment comes, it is so difficult, and it had to be hard for you. The scripture says you had to turn. It was difficult for you to make that sacrifice, but you did it. You made a way through Christ for all of us to know and have the freedom, the freedom from sin, the freedom from this struggle that we read about in the Old Testament that the people of Israel found themselves struggling with. So God, I just pray for us today, Lord, you're trying to speak to us and reveal to us thoughts and you're trying to draw us in closer to you. I believe that's what your word is about. So I just pray that you would help us to see and understand where we are in you today. Are we serving out of a conditional relationship or are we serving out of a relationship that's totally and purely born out of your love for us? Confirmed through Christ your son, confirmed through the commands in the scripture, confirmed through the relationships we have with an opportunity to have with all those around us to honor you, to value others. God, search our hearts today. Help us to understand it in Jesus' name. Will you stand with me? I tell you, there's just two things I'm going to ask and just open the altar for, for prayer. If you have, if you have a need, either spiritually or you know someone who has a spiritual or physical need, I want to open this altar and say, hey, will you bring it to the altar? Will you bring it and let us pray and agree with you? I know we've reached 12 o'clock for the folks online. We love you and appreciate you being on with us. I'm just going to say, though, to everyone in here, if you have a need and you there's a physical need or a spiritual need that you personally have or that you know someone has, I'm just going to say, hey, bring it to the altar. Let's just take a few minutes and just surrender that over to the Lord. Let's value what we know you've called us to do. You said to call the elders of the church. If you're sick, let them pray for you. We know you said to confess your needs one to another. We know that's what this moment is about. So if you have a need here this morning, will you bring that to the altar? Will you just walk to this altar and bring it to him and let's surrender that to him and let us anoint you and pray for you? Anyone, anyone, hallelujah, anyone else, anyone else, several have done that. Come on, come on, hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Anyone else, just make a line across there, we're going to pray with you, anyone else. Hey, if you're here and you you have to get out, we understand, but we're going to pray for just a moment. If you want to join us, we do. If you will pray for anyone up here, feel led to stand with them. Come, stand with them across the back. 
we're going to just go down the line. We're going to anoint. We're just going to agree God's presence and his power to touch them right now in the name of Jesus. Join us if you will. I give you my soul. I live. 
Jesus, we do that. Everyone said amen. Love one another. Hallelujah. 